0: is film like milk yes it's got culture in it and it's mm, damn it <laughs> whole milk skim milk medium milk
1: i have nipples greg could you milk could me? could you milk me? welcome back to age like milk the podcast where we talk about movies and film that have those are the same thing where we talk about film that has aged <laughs> in the mind fridge of your mind it's been a long time coming this episode I'm one of your hosts, Paris Herbert-Taylor. With me, as ever, is David William Rogers. Hello to you. Hello.
0: Happy holidays.
1: Yes, we're getting into the holiday spirit with this film, which was chosen by our amazing guest, who we can't wait to introduce you to, David William Rogers. You. What is the film we are doing today?
0: The film we are covering today is Bad Santa 2003, directed by Terry Ziggoff, I believe it is. And writing credits, Glenn Fakara and John Rikua? I'm that, that last name You're has, doing so good has at the names stumped today. me for a while since this morning. I've been looking at this name and it's it's, okay. it's been messing with me. But it's a very great cast for this kind of film. And you got Billy Bob Thornton, Tony Cox, Bernie Mac, who I miss greatly. John Ritter, also fantastic. And you just got a lot of funny and hilarious people. And this film <laughs> is a Christmas movie, but it's pretty wild. And it's wild.
1: Yeah. It's wild. It's a good one to kick off the holiday season with because it's not your typical, like, everything is magical. It's like asking the question, like, you know, what the fuck? So having said that, we did not choose this movie. Our wonderful guest chose it. Um, I'm happy to introduce you to him. His name is Said Crumpler. We met uh, during the Nickelodeon fellowship program in 2020. Uh, we were both final- semi-finalists. <laughs> Said was like one of three people I think I connected with and then lo and behold, all three of those people got in. I did not. But it's been a joy to watch them thrive over the last year. Said is a Bay native and I have your bio here, Saeed. You grew up in Oakland. Yeah. You were a rapper turned screenwriter. Yep. You attended San Francisco State University, which I hear is is great you have a degree in screenwriting and then you also have your hip-hop career which I still see is going well. Um, You are obviously at Nickelodeon and then you also have the 2021 TV Mentorship Matters program and most excitingly and the reason that I forced you to pick a Christmas movie (laughs) is that Mm -hmm. you just wrote a Christmas movie starring Jamie Foxx. Said, welcome. We are so excited to have you on the podcast.
2: Glad to be here. I'm a fan of the the podcast and i think this is like a great concept so yeah, yeah
1: we Thanks have fun on. so before we jump in can you tell us a little bit about the christmas movie how it came about what's it about and you know is it coming out i assume it's coming out next year right
2: yeah so it comes no it comes out december 6th it's coming oh, nice. out that's, 2021 that's-, <laughs> that's how that's how quick the turnaround was um Basically, uh, a friend of mine that's in my writer's group named Adria, um, she had got approached to work on a movie that Jamie Foxx's company was producing, a Christmas movie. And it had hip hop. And she was like, I know, you know, hip hop. I know, you know how to write. Let's knock this out. And so um, we worked on the script and they shot it. they shot it like four weeks after we finished the script. Wow. So it was like one of those fast turnarounds. Yeah, that's wild.
0: Yeah. Turnaround, around yeah. very quick.
1: Because a, a lot of people have like scripts sitting in a drawer or like it goes into development hell and it's like three years later, blah, blah, blah. So this was very fast. So right? is that
0: easier with, um, you said it's Jamie Foxx Production Company. So if it's all yeah. in-house like that, they take the script. Is that a little bit easier for a company that can just say, all right, we're making all the decisions here. We can just rock with this in four weeks instead of pulling people from different companies to try to make something.
2: Yeah, they, yes, exactly. And they were already on schedule because I think they had like an original script that the director, Greg Carter wrote. And so we just hopped in, added some stuff, tweaked the little things and they were like ready to go. Like I, I clearly remember they were like, we need a script in like one week. Wow. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Oh and, my God. and we had to, uh, you know, get it done and get notes from, You know Viacom and everybody and and whip it up but um it's interesting because it it kind of shows you that you don't really need to take as long as you think you need to do to write a script i think sometimes we procrastinate yeah it's like if you have too much time it's like you know what i'm saying like no we need this we're shooting in four weeks what's up Um,
1: (laughs) what's up jamie wants it now
2: (laughs) yeah exactly
1: (laughs) jamie Um, gets what jamie wants okay
2: yeah it's funny because even uh even like while we were doing rewrites, they were like casting. Like they're like, "Yo, we got Red Man, we got oh, MC what? Light, yeah." Damn. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely gonna watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, like Redman and MC oh, yeah. Light are in there. That's what's Neo's up. in there, so like it's it it should be uh it should be nice. Did they start promoting I mean, this yet? Like, uh, no, okay. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I, I've seen it like in um different like deadline lists as far as like. Hollywood movies, but there's no trailer yet.
0: Oh, uh, I was just curious if you could tell us a little bit about the movie. Oh or yeah, if, no, yeah. what what
2: is yeah what it's about is it is basically about a a hip hop family uh, who um, kind of like Empire, where they had a successful rapping career and they had, you know children who are like interested in doing music and stuff like that. And basically, these rumors come out, allegations about the family, kind of like. Um, you know, what goes on nowadays, tabloids and stuff like that, and so they put together a Christmas party, and also it's kind of like a um, like a meet the family thing, like a reality thing that they do, mm-hmm. a live presentation where they kind of address the rumors and stuff like that, and it all happens on Christmas, and it's like a, a special that this family puts on, and they, they end up becoming closer uh, and addressing the rumors. Um, and some of the hidden secrets, you know what I'm saying, yeah, that yeah. was in the closet. Uh, so it's a feel—it's
1: a feel-good
2: movie. Yeah, it's definitely—it's definitely a feel-good movie. Nice.
1: Unlike good movie. Bad Santa, which we—I <laughs> know, which is fun, yeah. Wait I—I
2: I might argue against that.
1: Okay, well, we're gonna argue yeah. it. But I do—I do. Before we jump into talking about the movie, which I feel like a lot of people have seen. If you haven't seen it, it's definitely. Um, on a lot of Christmas lists. But Saeed, tell us a little bit about how you transitioned from you know this other career, rap, into writing. What prompted that?
2: Um, I had been, been doing music for a while. I got a degree in college in screenwriting, but I like, dove into music head first. I did that for about a decade. And then when iTunes came, it just kind of like made it harder for independent artists to make money. Um, because as an artist, you used to be able to sell 10,000 units at $6 a piece, make like 60 grand and live okay, keep a job. But um, the advent of iTunes kind of brought the, I think it's like three cents every play on a streamer. (laughs) Like, so so it's just like, if you're not Drake or Kendrick Lamar or Adele, you know, you ain't really making that much money. Um, So uh, I went back to school. Like I, I took some of my money, I took $5,000, invested in this UCLA online writing class that I took like three years ago. And I was like, look, let me let me get back into this. And I learned how to write television because I never knew how to write television. And so that was, that was what got me like back into it. And uh, I feel like, you know, artists, and one thing I learned also is like a lot of writers and directors are musicians or have musician paths. So I feel like it's in the same boat. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's that
0: creative outlet and
2: yeah, formu- formulate
0: something. Yeah. But it's three you, verses in the song. It's, it's three you, acts in a movie. Uh,
1: you didn't just like, you know, I, I think it's so easy to look at people's careers and be like, oh yeah, and then he did the course and then he got the Nickelodeon thing. You've been grinding it out for a while as a writer, right?
2: Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I the first year I remember I got... I, graduated the class. I entered hella contest, got nothing but like one small chitling contest. And um, I was like, okay, that's cool. And I kept working and working and working on this one script. I remember I was paying for coverage and everything, I was just working and working. I queried, got a manager. I entered fellowships. Like I got denied to Nickelodeon the first time. Um, And then I finally got in. So it took me about two or three times just applying the stuff over and over. I didn't care if I lost or not. Like you know, persevere.
0: Yeah. You're gaining experience you that whole time. Facts. And I
1: wanted I wanted to ask you a little bit about the fellowship. Obviously, it's sort of has it finished now, or is it at the very tail end?
2: I am done now because I got staffed. So uh-huh. so that that once you get staffed in the fellowship, then you leave. So I've I recently got staffed and was able to let go early.
1: Right, because Nickelodeon specifically only takes four people. I think something yep. like 3,000-ish people apply. And you're, Crazy. you're competing for four spots, essentially, up to four spots. I don't think every year they take four. But right. I know from meeting the others in the program, uh, they they got staffed pretty early this year, I think. I, I don't know yeah, compared no. to other years. But is Adam also staffed, the fourth member?
2: We all, I think that we are the first class that all four got staffed
0: that is crazy so what uh, can you elaborate on what that means to become staff
2: yeah so staffed is when um you become a hired staff writer paid staff writer on a television show okay and basically a staff writer is um you know each show has a room and in that you have different levels of writers and we would be what it'd be called like a beginning staff writer so congrats yeah Thank and what you.
1: does it, what does a staff writer do like in a room?
2: Um, pitch ideas, uh, you know, write outlines, uh, do research, pretty much whatever's asked, but pretty much just pitching in on story on a daily basis, um, Monday through Friday.
1: Sounds fun. So, are you in
2: office yes. right now or are you guys working from home? Zoom. It's Zoom. Crazy. Okay. Everything I've done so far has been on Zoom. Been on Zoom? Wow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> writing this, hired to write this movie, you know, the, the fellowship was on Zoom. Yeah. It all has its pluses and minuses. You know, I think the plus is I could stay in the Bay Area and keep money low. That's mm-hmm. the another, negative. Yeah. Right. The negative is you don't get the. You know, like even in your when you're in the room you don't have that like lunchtime talking chit, chit, chat. chit chat or hey let's go get drinks after or yeah. that's the thing you do miss and you have to make that up in other ways. Mm-hmm. Like you because know, when it's lunchtime everybody's like, I'm going to lunch, I'll see y'all too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think, you know, there's always a lot of talk about like, should I move to LA if I'm a writer? Should I move to LA if I want to be an actor? Uh, David is you know acting and I'm trying to write and produce and I think the benefit of being in LA for me personally is yes those interactions meeting someone at a party meeting someone at a coffee shop getting chatting just being a real person and and then like finding that common ground you know I've said it before but I think LA has a bit of a stereotype of oh you go there you get chewed up you spit out everybody's trying to use you like We get it la has that perception in film and tv and the narrative yes it's a place where a lot of beautiful people live it's a lot of like hustle but and i can't speak for david but i I think we've had a similar experience like people here are very generous as well like saeed you know they they want to connect you with people um i know even though you're in the bay area like i set you up on a couple zoom meetings with some friends because good people attract good people and you want you want to help each other out because you rise, I rise, you know, it's, it's very collaborative.
0: Yeah. Especially if you're working with genuine people and it's yeah. like we're all trying to do the same thing. 100%.
1: Um, I just, I just wanted to ask you as well. So you mentioned a writer's group, which is how you got this opportunity. For those that don't know, what is a writer's group and what's the benefit of it?
2: I have to shout out my home girl, Mel. She's the one who put together this writer's group. It was her idea, um, And it actually turned out to be a great thing. But pretty much what a writer's group is like five writers, um, four or five, maybe three, two. I don't know. But like what what happens is we meet every two weeks on a Sunday and uh, the writers turn in pages and we read pages. We go over the pages. um, We give our opinions, notes. um, And it's kind of just like having a accountability partner um as well as just having like a support group so i would advise every writer out there to like get some form some kind of writers group even if it's two or three you know people because you never know like what happens you know like i think i think sometimes people want to like try to meet you know the showrunners or the big director but it's like you need to meet and talk to your peers because we're the people that's going to be selling the show in two years you know like paris you when you sell a show shit maybe you'll staff me when i sell a show yeah right exactly and i will will cost david (laughs) right right
1: because the thing is as well is like what you're talking about saeed is like we like making shit is fucking hard you know everybody in this on this podcast knows right now everybody listening to this podcast if you've even worked in film or tv for a day it shit is hard it is stressful it's long hours it's a lot of money on the table there's a lot of creative people there's a lot of egos so of course you want to work with people that you have a shorthand with your friends that's why you see and this is a great segue into this film um a lot of the same people's names you know you've got like this movie is like the Coen brothers and the Weinsteins and like right. people that, people that had made movies together before that knew each other. That's how, that's how you get on a shortlist to be a director or to be, you know, put up for a job an acting job. I agree with you Saeed. like, so many people want to network up and it's like, this is the pool. This is your, and writing is such a solitary thing. It's not like acting where you get on stage and you share your performance with the world. You have to get somebody to sit down, actually read, and so, yeah, I think writers' groups are great. And I just wanted you to elaborate because I think a lot of people out there are very protective of their material, too. Like, someone's going to steal my idea. You're shaking your head. It's not the right way to go about it.
2: Nah, get, 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 I, I forgot who it was, but I think it was like Aaron Sarkin said, get feedback early and often. And so to me, it's like, the faster I can get my material out to get feedback, the better. For two reasons. One, because I want to get it done faster. The faster you start that rewrite process, the faster you'll be done. And two, um, I don't want to get attached to anything because I feel like the longer you sit with a script, the more attached you get to the characters, the plot, the dialogue. It's like, nah, like you wrote it when it's fresh, get it to somebody so I can rip Perfect. it apart. That's interesting. You know I mean? Yeah. I like yeah. that
0: take. Yeah. That's a good way to go about it.
1: Is that the same with acting, David, where if you're doing a performance, would you get someone to like give you feedback right away? Um, it
0: depends, because if your director tells something, gives you a note or a change, yeah, you do it. And you say, all right, how about this? See, see how it works. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But um, you don't want to get in a rut either, where you just like, OK, I practice this way, I practice this way, I practice this way. And then now I'm, you don't want to get caught performing or acting, right? You want to have you want to live. In that moment, with that other person you're working off of and with, and taking what they say in and giving it back to them. So, you know, I could practice something for a week and a half, get all my lines down, say the lines a certain way. And then if I give her a line and she comes back at me a different way, I can't just say the line the way I practiced it. If she freaks out, I can't be like, oh, hello. You know what I mean? Because I (laughs) practice it that way. I gotta be like, why is she freaking out? Like, hello. And whatever i got to react that way exactly, so um, I guess in I some, guess in writing
1: ways. you can fall into a rut too, like you know there are a lot of rules in writing for a feature for a half hour for an hour, and I think people are afraid to break those sometimes, but sometimes you it's okay right Saeed? like you yeah. have to like speak your truth, be bold, put those jokes in, or whatever, um and not not be too freaked out about what might people might say
2: yeah i think I think everything you write you should be a little scared. Like, you know what I mean? Like I feel like if you're not a little scared, then you're not really challenging yourself. Take some so, rest, be bold. Yeah. Just right, like stuff.
1: this movie, Bad Santa.
0: <laughs>
2: Great segue. Yeah.
1: Thank you. It's my specialty, David will tell you. <laughs> uh good. yeah, this this is a film that is about Christmas. So Immediately, I feel like it conjures up, you know, happy times, you know, Christmas is like everybody gets together, but we really open on this like totally drunk, fucked up Billy Bob Thornton in a Santa's outfit. Um, I think alcoholism is a big part of this movie. I wanted to talk to you guys about it. I had not seen this film in a number of years and I was truly surprised by how gross and alcoholic he
0: is do you uh, do you, do you real quick want to just give a little quick synopsis
1: oh I think it's your I'll turn do, to I mean, don't do it I, just skip yeah. I, I jump in around. Yeah, yeah, oh, my yeah. bad
0: so okay so we got this con man played by Billy mm-hmm. Bob Thornton he's just hammered this whole movie <laughs> and pissing and, himself yeah That's pissing gray. himself <laughs> in front of kids and like some of these kids that he shows up drunk for work at the because mo- he's a mall Santa right and yeah. it's like kind of a long long ish con they plan this once a year they pick a mall him and his uh, business partner played by Tony Cox his name's Marcus and he's a he's a little person in the movie plays billy bob's elf so tony cox um marcus character the elf is the brains behind the whole thing he sets the whole thing up billy bob thornton's a safe cracker um they set up the whole scheme they're playing the mall good santa having fun with the kids and then come christmas night they rob the place they crack the safe take you know a couple hundred grand, and wipe the store out with everything that they want so Billy Bob every year is getting worse and worse off the, <laughs> on the booze, not reliable, taking forever to crack the safe, tr- um, trying to keep his job as a Santa because he's doing so poorly at it, pissing himself in front of kids, falling over, swearing at kids, all that stuff. So, punching reindeer. Punching reindeer, exactly. <laughs> um, having sex with women in the... <laughs> in the in the bathroom of the changing room. And eventually Billy Bob meets this um kid named Brett Kelly. They, his name is the kid in the movie. Well, it's this thing. Thurman Merman or something like that. Yeah. But Thurman Merman. It's yeah. listed on um I am D B as the, the kid. kid. Yeah. Finds out that his parents are gone, it's like a grandma who's not all quite there. So he kinda house squats because um Bernie Mac's character, the security guy's trying to look into him so Billy Bob stays there he you know has a little romance with a bartender that he met and I feel like he ends up you know giving the kid a little bit of love finding a sense he of grew. home he grows over this and he, he just grew. doesn't want to be a totally piece of shit you know what I mean his whole life and he starts does to have a the, bit the, of yeah, a happy ending a little bit but of a a a- redemption for this con man who is you know self-destructive Hates himself, totally. yeah. Where he's at in life, and it's a uh, it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> did, we, Great did we mention this? <laughs> yeah, it's a Christmas, the <laughs> yeah.
1: Mole Santa. But yeah, so you touched on it. The alcoholism in this is fucking wild. I mean, he's just drinking so much. And I read that he went kind of method for it. Yeah, he drank he a little bit in some of these very scenes. Very Yeah.
0: cool Billy Bob. You, yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: but what do you think? Do you think this was like an accurate representation of alcoholism? I mean i i think it's different
0: for everybody but he's a functioning alcoholic and this is kind of what it was so i was watching it again this morning with me and my girlfriend and we were at paris's house last night we had some drinks i was literally almost gagging with how much this billy bob thornton (laughs) drinks in this movie this morning i'm like dude i cannot understand remember
2: (laughs) remember the scene where he got in the car he opened the door it was like 10 bottles fell yeah, out, yeah. <laughs> out of the car. Yeah. And
0: Tony Cox is like, like, open open bottle, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like I can
1: just smell him too. You know, like his, he's yeah. looks so like sweaty and his pants and
0: drinking you know, old drink- granddad.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, it's sad though. Like I feel I do, you do start to feel bad for him. I mean, he's a total piece of shit. And he talks about his family
0: life and his dad put out cigarettes. on him. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, just realized this for the first time I've seen this movie probably six or seven times the pink elephant right yeah. delirium that's what alcoholics oh. see sometimes we talked about it on yeah. Dumbo um, yeah. and he picks he's a purple elephant or pink elephant because the kid wants right. a pink elephant and he grabs a pink one and then he takes it home so that's like part of the alcoholism thing so like mm. is he getting a little bit delirious with all of this at that stage great. of alcoholism that he's in great symbolism yeah
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny to look at this movie and be like, if he wasn't an alcoholic, would they be so successful as – bank? like, they're pretty successful as robbers, Mm -hmm. and he's, like, a mess. Right. (laughs) But it's sad. I mean, he – you know, the first job that they pull in the movie, I think it happens, like, you know, a couple minutes in – He's like, no, I'm gonna go straight, and I'm gonna own a bar in Miami. And then we cut to Miami, <laughs> and he's behind the bar, and you think he's like made it, but he's just. I know, a drunk. I thought, yeah,
2: <laughs> he's just I thought he was drinks. a bartender because yeah.
0: <laughs> he's cutting up limes.
2: Yeah, and and
0: I forget that comedian's name. That it's actually a bar, but he kicked, he punches him in the stomach, yeah, throws him overboard. Yeah,
1: but it's just, it's sad. It's like you know, it shows the self-destructive nature of it. And he just like every night he's falling asleep with like a. Thing of vodka in his hands. One thing I will say is that is so unbelievable to me is that he's still pulling hot chicks. He's, still, <laughs> he's a mess, I mean, and he's got this hot bartender who's like, "Fuck me, Santa! Fuck me, Santa! Fuck me, Santa!" And she's so into it. It's a man in uniform. A man in uniform. <laughs> no, I don't think I, I. I've never like seen a really drunk guy with like sweat stained, you know, Santa pants, and been like, so "Hey, daddy, t- you know, <laughs> what's what's good?" So. That was a
2: little unbelievable. <laughs> she had a she had a Santa fetish though, which I thought was which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Um,
1: but then she kind of like likes him, and uh, yeah. the actress is Lauren Graham, very cute, very sweet. But she keeps coming back. I mean, in a way, do we feel like she's enabling his alcoholism? Like she sees him pretty bad. Yeah, she brings
2: it over. Yeah, she yeah. brought a, it over. She's a
0: bartender. Maybe maybe, that's, maybe she's on a, but but maybe that's kind of up constantly too.
1: Well, maybe that's kind of interesting. She's not trying to save him. She's not trying to change him. She's just there, like, a part of it. He kind of has to change himself. The kid mm-hmm. helps change him. Because um, I think that's a trope that we fall into in some movies where it's like, I love him and I'm going to fix him. This, right. this guy's like, no, nah, I'm fucked. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and she shows kid. a little bit lighter side and she gives him a little bit of, like, what could be. Because she's saying, oh, this kid's so sweet when yeah. uh, she first meets him. Yeah. And then he start seeing that a little bit too. And he starts changing some of his behavior in regards to the kid.
1: Yeah. Um, which let's talk a little bit about the stereotypes then. So yes, we've got this kid, he's a little chubby guy. Um, he's got no friends. He's got snot all over his nose. That was Ugh. so gross when he shows up. Uh, and then we've also got, uh, yeah, this little person who's acting as the elf. Like there are some moments in this film where they use language that just made me, cringe
2: yeah
0: um and <laughs> the they kind of call themselves the out R too f-word yeah. r-word and then, then yeah midget calling him, he's calling him midget. midget and there's a really funny scene between tony cox and bernie Mac when they're um like oh yeah f- giving each and the other bob? business and well no after um the second yeah. time he billy bob thornton pisses himself and he's fighting the donkey and they shut it down and um bernie Mac at the time tells him that he wants half of what they're going to rob and so bernie Mac's trying to cover up for him and he's like tony cox like go take bernie Mac or billy bob thornton put him in your car and he's like motherfucker yeah. I, the physics don't work i'm three feet right. tall how am i gonna get him in the car and they're yeah. going yeah. back and forth talking shit to each other and what did bernie Mac calls him like thigh high and then, yeah <laughs> tony cox is fucking with him i just love the back and forth and it was interesting i read a lot of stuff on the casting for tony cox so the director wanted him Cohen Brothers I don't believe did. They said they wanted they didn't like want a black actor in that role. And what? yeah, and not for like that reason. Okay. Um but they just said it wasn't like written for like a a black actor. And Tony Cox was saying like the director really stuck his neck out for me and wanted me to do this and the director said it doesn't matter what color this person is. Oh. This guy's fucking hilarious in this role right. and that's what's going to make this movie. Right? So, um, the director stuck by Tony Cox. Yeah. And he did a great job.
2: hmm. Yeah. Tony Cox was in Friday. He was, I think, he was, he was, uh, he was,
0: uh, Mrs. Huh, Miss Parker. Yeah. yeah Miss Parker's, Parker's yeah, his husband. husband. Yeah. And that, and, and <laughs> when so. When you going to let me fuck, Miss Parker? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, one thing One thing I will say is I was surprised at how diverse the cast was. And so it's interesting when you tell me um, that um, they didn't want him to be black necessarily. Or, you know, I was like, damn, that would have. I wonder if I would have felt it was as diverse. Like I was actually shocked at how, you know, like the basically the, the runner of the mall is Bernie Mac Mm -hmm. like the mall manager security
1: guy yeah Yeah.
2: right and then and and it's like wow but
1: I don't know if it is that diverse I mean I I think it's I think I also picked up on the same feeling Saeed I think it's just when you compare other movies you know yes you have two men of color talking to each other about stuff that's not stereotypical and they're just characters and they're so funny Mm -hmm. um and then you have uh Tony Cox's wife is like this I think they call her like a male or a bride, which is so Wallace. shitty. Yeah. She's yeah. Asian. Um, yeah. But then you think about it, you know, you've got the two, like you've got Billy Bob Thornton, you've got Lauren, she's white. You've got Billy yeah. Ritter. He's white. The kid's white. Like, I think it's just funny that like, we feel like it's more diverse, but I, I, hear, yeah. what you're, mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying, but I, I'd love <laughs> yeah. to get to a place where it's like more like what Even the director more. was saying. Yeah. It doesn't I matter. I think that's, what,
0: that shows yeah. in this a little bit because to your guys point with Bernie Mac and, Tony Cox just being characters. It doesn't matter what color they are. Yeah. They're so good at what they do and how funny they are that right. they took this movie to the next level with Billy with the Billy
2: Bob Thornton. Right. This so movie,
1: yeah, this movie made me miss Bernie Mac so much when he's getting his toes done and yeah. he's like screaming at the woman. <laughs> he's so funny.
2: <laughs> you know what's funny is I have forgot about this movie, and so when um when you asked me like what Christmas movie. You know, because like I said, I'm not a fan of Christmas movies, even though I wrote one.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: I like first thing I was thinking was like a Christmas story, mm-hmm. and I was like, nah, like everybody's seen that movie, everybody's yeah. talking about that movie. Yeah, but I just remember in the back of my mind that Bad Santa was a good film. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it in like maybe. Eight years or something. Yeah, 03. Maybe longer. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah it's so
1: it's not like so I watch Love actually every year. Like that's my that's a good one. tradition. I recently saw that. But it's not it that. I don't think Bad Santa's one where you're like, ooh, it's December. Like gotta get you know, gotta get Bad Santa <laughs> out. Gotta get yeah. Billy Bum Thornton screaming at a kid. Uh <laughs> but no, speaking of that as well, so there were so many moments in this movie where I was like, if I was a parent, I would be like, I'm calling the police. Like this guy is, you know, he, when he's punching the rain, the like the stuffed oh, reindeer. reindeer. Yeah. The reactions of those the little kids, kids are just standing are there, the, devastated. If I was, yeah, but also the kids are just like the parents aren't like rushing them away. They yeah. keep bringing their kids back to the Santa. <laughs> it's a small enough town. Like you'd be like, don't go to that mall. That guy is fucked. You I know? wonder
0: how they booked this. Did they tell the kids it was gonna be? Like a scene in a movie and they're extras or yeah. were they trying to go for that genuine reaction? Cause some of those yeah. kids were like, what the hell is this guy <laughs> doing? <laughs> yeah. And
1: also, okay. So just to like take the 30,000 foot view here, it is weird to me as an adult now with no children that my parents were like, yes, honey, go sit on that stranger's lap. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I loved Santa and I went to Santa every single year or the idea that someone breaks into your house every year to leave you presents, like kids need to be <laughs> not okay in. with that. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh,
0: no, it's natural. This guy comes and drops yeah, shit it, off.
1: Yeah. yeah, he drops shit off. He doesn't. Yeah. Ta- he just takes the cookies. Don't worry, <laughs> it's totally fine. He can get in anytime he wants down the chimney. <laughs> yeah, but it's fine. Oh my god, That's but it's yeah,
2: it's, it, it, it's it's definitely interesting because this is like also it flashed me back to mall culture. Mm. And so I don't think malls are like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, I think, I think this was like a time, you know, where malls were what people did. Like even the food court, like it brought back a lot of memories, like hanging out in the food court. Going to buy video games from a video game store. Remember when the kids started to steal game one? Yeah. Right. And he had an MP3 player. Did you, you notice <laughs> yeah, that? Little, Hanging around like, his neck. His neck. Oh, and Bertie Mac made him give it to him. What is it, MP3? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, I totally forgot about like that kind of stuff. Like, it was an MP3 player? That's crazy. And
1: malls were like centralized, like, meeting places, right? So that's yeah. why they had a Santa there, because again, mm-hmm. it was all like about enhancing the shopping experience. And that's a thing right. you did. Now, I mean, I know there's like Santa's at like the Grove, which is more of a place to walk around. But I don't even know where you would meet And a lot of
0: these stores are going out of business over the past like five, ten years. A lot of the big anchor stores or big, you know, block stores at the end of malls are going out like Sears. And there's one in my hometown that got converted to like like go-karts and shit like that because they just weren't keeping up. And a lot of people are shopping online. But it is like... The, like you're saying like, like malls and commercialism especially around christmas and it's like okay fuck it christmas a week out i gotta go buy a bunch of shit for a bunch of people i talk let's to let's go see santa yeah exactly right
1: but it is right. i just think santa in general is like i love santa and if you're a kid he is definitely 100 real um if you're listening you shouldn't be because yeah. right. so be yeah. okay. it's not safe for work <sighs> but i just think like it's so weird. I don't know if I would want my kids to go sit on a stranger's lap. I think that breeds like a very like dangerous yeah. train of thought. And also yeah. then this sander is so fucked. Like if I'm a parent, a lot of those kids were just standing in line by themselves. And he's like, what do you want?
2: Yeah, I then, loved it. I loved
1: <laughs> it. And then he just like pushes them off his Next. lap, you know, Next. so irresponsible. <laughs> but also the there was a scene that made me kind of cringe. So he, goes to s- squat at this kid's house and he's in oh, yeah. the bathtub. Naked and the kids just standing there talking to him. I was like, oh my god, you know what I mean. Yeah. And there is one
2: asking him questions. Yeah,
1: like, but he's naked in the tub with the strangest yeah. kid. And there is one point where the girl's like, "Do you like kids?" And he's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> 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 he thinks she's saying like, "Are yeah. you a pedophile?" <laughs> like
0: John Ritter asked him too about um, like, "Does he do you gear... like kids?" No, like oh. gear, you're, you're... something about gear. And he's uh, looking at this lady's butt and he's like, "What the fuck? You think my gear doesn't work?" <laughs> Is oh there, yeah. Because <laughs> like it was
2: like his dipstick or yeah, something. It was something like some that. kind of stick name. Like, no, yeah. my dick
0: is fine. Um, one of the things I read is that in um the Czech Republic, this movie is called Santa is a pervert. Yeah. <laughs> that's wow. the that's calling it the like name it of is. The movie. <laughs> wow. Calling
2: Damn. it like what it is. What does that say about us that yeah. we call him yeah. bad Santa? Just bad yeah. Santa, yeah. No, but
1: uh, there's so many. There was also a moment where he and the girl are like hooking up on the floor, and she he's got her G string strap in his mouth. Oh, yeah. And the kid yeah. walks in, he's like, What are you guys doing? And she doesn't even seem to like really care. I can like get honey. the fuck yeah. out of here. Yeah. yeah, you
0: guys want some sandwiches?
1: <laughs> you want me to eat some sandwiches?
2: <laughs> hey, I'm not gonna lie though, that they picked a the perfectly casted kid. Oh, like, yeah. I mm-hmm. felt so bad for that kid. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt so bad. He yeah. plays it so well too. Like, oh, when they're does. playing chess.
0: Yeah. And that like that's not easy some of the acting he had physical to do. Yeah. very yeah, Canadian. yeah and yeah. like all like in the like dead eyes, dead eyes and like the way he walked and, and they're playing checkers or whatever and he's like you fucking with me and he like click 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 want to play again like <laughs> like that's hard to do with the timing and it's yeah.
1: it does deal you know we were talking a little bit before the podcast but like it deals with a lot of bullying this movie mm-hmm. right yeah. that poor kid is so neglected his dad is in jail he says that his dad's traveling mountains or something that's what, clearly what they've told him his mom's dead she's in god's house that's with what he the says. long-eared
0: donkey and the walnut <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don't know this mythology is that an american I thing have or no is it just a i have him? no idea he's yeah. just a stupid thing they made up and then his grandma is like totally <sighs> totally not there and
0: there.
1: he's getting bullied and and like you know yeah he lives in a big house but he's a latchkey kid i think is what we used to call them i don't
0: know a what a what kid
1: a, a latchkey kid so like you would drop the latch um you would basically let yourself in and then i don't know that's what we used to call them like no par- <laughs> nobody's no oh gotcha yeah, par- like your know. parents weren't home like you know yeah nobody no one up was around school. to help
0: raise them and stuff yeah like that. i got you
1: it's very sad, and then and yeah, the bullies.
0: Gets... I feel like the bullies always the same kid or like oh, yeah. archetype, you know, taller, bleached hey, blonde loser. hair kid, yeah, skateboard, yeah, exactly, you know I mean? Spiked rock and hair. roll shirt, you know.
2: <laughs>
1: Thanks for uh, my new bike. Right. <laughs>
0: He's
2: right. like, you
1: just got to stand up for yourself and punch him. I but don't think
0: Billy Bob Thornton beat the shit. Out
2: he, did. <laughs> he did. He <laughs> did.
0: So funny. <laughs>
2: like, and what's crazy about that is like, I kind of. Was happy he did like yeah. like that's the bad thing It's yeah. like I'm well that that's why I'll say that that's good writing in a sense um, where you look at something like that where you know you know it's completely inappropriate and that shouldn't be happening right but, but
1: you're rooting for the guy yeah. I'm rooting for like, him fuck that at that kid. point
2: yeah. yeah like fuck that kid do man. they like, do
1: they teach kids now to I feel like a lot of fi- I mean I'm not a kid uh, but I feel like a lot of physical bullying has transitioned into online bullying and stuff like that. So like, you know, Billy Bob's thought his uh, advice is, you know, don't, don't let him do that. Kick him in the balls. And he like takes him to the boxing ring. I think kids now are dealing more with like psychological bullying. So like, I'm curious what we think the,
2: the new version would be. Yeah.
1: Like how do we tell kids to deal with it now? If it's, I think it's
0: more, um, you gotta build these kids up with some self love, right. Mm -hmm. And some confidence where, you're telling them that, yeah, the kids that are saying this stuff there's something going on with them, mm. they're lashing what? out they're they don't like a part of themselves, and they're being hateful for some reason, and we we just can't let that in, so you gotta have that mindset where like something's going on with this kid for him to be talking to me like this, yes, it's gonna hurt for a little bit, but you gotta build up so much love in that kid for themselves that some of this stuff is gonna kind of bounce right off, and then they can look at that person and say all right, well, something's probably going on at home for you to be talking to everybody Thomas like this wife. and picking on people, yeah. Because, right. you know, normal kids don't really act like that. It comes from somewhere. That's learned behavior. Yeah. And he,
2: even Billy Bob Thornton had a scene where he was like, don't fucking talk to yourself like that. Mm-hmm. He was like, you gotta have some... Uh, it was either self-confidence or self-love, which which I thought was tight. Yeah, I like that scene um, a lot. Yeah, because and
0: and
1: yeah. he had his redemption, right? Like, he wasn't... Yep. He, even though he was still a total piece of shit and like piss, like even after he does something good, he's like, I pissed myself, like he goes <laughs> <Right>. to work. <laughs> Get it together, Billy. Fuck's yeah. sake. Uh, but uh, the bullying was a lot, and I felt, I mean, we were meant to feel really bad for this kid, and you had these yeah. two diametrically opposite kids, like totally, you know, alone and uh, well, they were both alone and sad, but yeah, yeah, one guy who was like, I don't give a fuck, and then one kid that was like can I make you some sandwiches? I made you, I cut my hand. I was making a wooden pickle.
2: Oh my goodness. The wooden pickle. Like I was like, (laughs) what is this about? Um, One thing I noticed when I watched this movie also just on a craft level is it's funny because we always think like, okay, we want to be super creative, but he ended up changed at the end of the movie. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, like, you know what I mean? It's like, you still have to, your character starts one way and he ends up changed at the end of a feature. That's yeah. the difference between features and television. Mm-hmm. Television, the character never changes. You know what I'm saying? They get worse. Um, That's a good point, so, I didn't even think about it like that. Yeah and, yeah, and so even though this movie, like we had talked about before, like it being different, like a genre twist, um, it still follows the same rules. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like he has just a in want film overall. Yeah. 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 Like, he even voices his need. Like, this is one thing I've been studying too, just working on a feature myself. Is like in Act One, we're supposed to know what your character needs. And they let you know, like, in the first minutes because they use voiceover.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
2: I thought that was interesting too, where they had, like, voiceover in the beginning and in the end. But like in the beginning, he was just like, "This is my life. This is my past." When he's like, sitting at that a, bar, yeah, yeah. When he's sitting at the bar. I he's was like, "If cool, I knew it, man. I'd
0: had all these kids sitting on my lap. I'd kill myself right. a long time ago."
2: Right, yeah. right. Most of my scripts, I don't use narration. But it's funny because when I'm watching this, I'm like, "It's actually a good device." <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like how it it introduced him gave us backstory without flashbacks and all that other yeah. shit a wasting time like Paris said mm. and then at the end it wrapped it up to where we didn't have to see all that shit right he was telling so was us like, what was happening
0: right. he's he's in the hospital and is showing the kid putting on a new shirt
2: yeah, yeah. so I even wonder if that was in the initial script or if, or if it was that like was, a note yeah. from an executive
0: cause there's three right. versions of this movie wow there's the the theatrical, the theatrical one there's the director's cut and then there's the unrated one wow. i think yeah. i watched the theatrical yeah i, I think, think so I too. Did too. but i'd like to see the director's cut because he yeah. was saying like he yeah. had to fight um so first of all his manager gave up 30 percent um to get final cut and then wow. they the weinstein said fuck that and they cut it themselves anyway so he had to go to litigation
1: fuck wow. to
0: end up and it all like it was like a battle going back and forth and then finally um he got to piece together what he wanted to because there's a bunch of scenes the weinsteins wanted him to shoot he said no they did it anyways and then they wow. cut it together yeah and Dang, then he wow. went back to his manager like what the fuck like this we gave up 30 percent so i got last cut and they went and did it
2: anyways
1: well the weinsteins are like notoriously a good group of guys so you know <laughs> so i'm really so actually so shocked you? that that happened <laughs> yeah
2: the only the only director i think the weinsteins let have final say was tarantino i don't think i don't think they really let in many other directors have final
0: a lot of control on their yeah. side
2: but, yeah another thing that i thought was interesting is like when i looked at the writers they actually wrote a movie i really liked called focus Mm-hmm. With Will Smith okay. and Margot Robbie yep. that came out like yeah. in 2000 and something. And I'm like, wow, that's, you know, I'm always curious as to, you know, like, do you get pigeonholed into writing a certain kind of movie? Like, when they write this Christmas movie, did they like write a whole bunch of Christmas movies?
1: Are you saying that to yourself so that you feel better? So you're not like <laughs> the Chris, the hip hop Christmas,
2: Christmas writer guy? from now on. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Like, okay. They, they wrote some different stuff. Yeah. yeah
0: they, um, they didn't write Bad Santa too. None of the director okay. and the writers are all different. The same.
1: I think yeah. that, you know, Hallmark movies, I've definitely met a few writers who get pigeonholed in that. Cause that's a very specific formula. Right. And, and you could sell like six projects in a year. Cause it's like, a you know, you know I think people try to tell you to stick in a lane you and I have had lots of conversations offline <laughs> yeah. about not you know I yeah. don't know but I think if you pigeonhole someone into something that's very short-sighted like this, yeah. this movie has a lot more layers as we're you know discussing it then that so what you're just supposed to write all gross men you know that's it that's all you're allowed to write from now on sorry yeah
2: i mean and that's another thing there were some things in the movie that i i think we talked about a little bit that that uh you know didn't age well like there was a scene where he was like just being a creeper sitting at a bench while these girls (laughs) in florida are like in bikinis playing volleyball playing volleyball and then he's got like his corn dog or whatever and then they do like a little cut where his corn dog is erect like up yeah it was just Uh, oh the pinball in the mall the pinball she said she was
0: 18 she's trying yeah
1: for context she's like he's showing her how you have to like shake the machine tilt it it. basically looks like he's like fucking the machine and then she gets in front of him and yeah and she
2: looks like she's probably 15 but yeah um, and then they had like a scene where there was like this uh india guy indian guy he, oh he was in the movie fired. called the um not the office it was, uh, it was in, office um, space office space there yeah he was in office space yeah. but a, he's like they, off his
1: meds and he says that, and then he's what's he trying to do? Like trying to fuck him in the ass or something, right?
2: Like it was weird. Like he, he walked weird. up to him and he was like, I'm not gay, like you know what I mean? But then he was like, it was just it was like weird, very like out of place. It, it was out of place and doesn't age well. I think that was like a trope mm. that they used in a lot of, and he at said, time. My
0: grandpa or my dad, uh, like fought you guys in vietnam and like this dude is right. not v- <laughs> Vietnam. yeah like oh. just a this weird throwaway line like a, and a, like, weird it, like a weird scene to toss in
1: yeah, yeah just to show him yeah. like losing i think they already had illustrated that he was like fucking on the downhill without having this but that actor got paid so i'm sure he was happy to oh, be a part yeah, of it yeah, yeah. but no i mean you guys also we touched on yeah the weinsteins were involved in this movie and the Cohen brothers we Love the Cohen brothers. We've me talked too, about yeah. Lady Killers um, on the podcast, which is a great film. Yeah. The Weinsteins, I mean, you. it's like that discussion where you can you talk about somebody and then their art is separate? For me, yeah. with this film, no. I think the Weinsteins, from what we know about them and just like, you know, it, it just, yeah, I mean, when you put like the sexualization of women up against like what we know about Harvey, doesn't that make right. you guys kind of cringe a little bit?
0: It yeah. does, but the writers took this and they wanted to work with the Cohen brothers and the Cohen brothers said we only direct what we write. We'll take a look at it. They kind of did a couple of rewrites after it was finished. So, like that was without the Weinstein's. Right. Once mm. once the movie was But w- I th- I think it's
1: I think it's naive to think that like the executives that they are. I mean, I've seen it like on a movie set. Like they pitch a lot. You know, like, hey, can we tweak this? Or like yeah. even if it's something like
0: arguing with them about that's why it right. went into litigation because right. the director didn't want the Weinstein scenes that he refused to shoot. Yeah. Because um they wanted it actually more mainstream.
1: Right. The Weinsteins mm.
0: did. And the director said, Fuck that. I'm not shooting any of that shit. Um so he <laughs> gave up thirty percent. Yeah. And so I I totally see what you're saying, Paris, but yeah. I just feel like what I've read about this director, he was really all in Strong on himself about and his, and what he thought he had, which right? is
1: great. But it's, I think uh, even before we started rolling, you know, Saïd was like, you see the Weinstein name come up on the titles and you're like, fuck. Okay, yeah. I go.
2: didn't even like, yeah, I was here like, we Oh go. shit. <laughs> like when I saw that day, I was like, Oh man. Honestly, he.
1: anything Miramax too, because from what I've read of like film history, that was pretty much Javi. Yeah. Did they
0: have company. different or like multiple companies? Um, because i don't think this was miramax I wasn't think they, it was this this weinstein dimension? but they what is it
2: was it dimension i forgot what i dimension. think so I, dimension okay, maybe. i think this yeah, one they- was
1: they did yeah. start, uh, well, he, like, you know, helmed, as you do in, as executives, you bop, bop around at Hollywood and, you you know, work over here and work over there.
2: Okay, I got I got the info. The Weinsteins took the Dimension label with them when they separated from Miramax. Oh, okay. And paired it under the new company. So after this, they formed the Weinstein Company. Gotcha. The
1: they were like, we need our name in the title because mm-hmm. we're amazing. Right. And nothing That's bad right. will ever be associated with our last name. <laughs> with our last name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, no I think we touched on a lot of it I mean okay so one criticism so it was definitely more diverse than other films that we've seen yeah okay. I didn't necessarily I didn't hate the female character in this even though she was you know portrayed as having uh, a Santa fetish um <laughs> but I don't think that the female representation in this film was that amazing I mean I, I agree I, yeah
2: I agree I, I agree 100%. I mean, yeah, it,
1: I, it was a film about a bad male Santa mm-hmm. who was a dude and his business partner who's a dude and security who's a dude and the Billy Ritter who's hilarious who's a dude. But yeah, I think there wasn't a lot of space for the female yeah. actresses to, to own this film.
0: Sarah Silverman actually had a scene in that. it was scene, cut out. Right? Yeah, she was like a Santa yeah. coach. And there was gotta, a scene go of a classroom it. of all Santas um, and Billy Bob just sitting in there.
1: But the fact that they could just cut her character out like that, and we wouldn't even you know notice yeah. Is
2: like yeah, you bring up a good you bring up a good point because it's like and I would say like as a case study you you look at the movie and you're like, okay, who are the female characters, the grandma she's fucking passed out, so that's <laughs> they like think she's dead of, right, they think she's dead, she wakes up, which I like that scene though. They steal
1: um, her, like one of those like stockings. Little, to put but they're like, the, but they're like the thin, you know, nylon, like, the nylon. Nylon, nylon, and they just hang it yeah, up yeah. by the. Um, gross.
2: The bartender girl girlfriend, who's obviously Lauren. over over sexualized, right? Mm-hmm. And she doesn't really do shit. Like you know what I'm saying? So she it's like, has no real journey. Well,
1: <laughs> yeah. maybe a little. Uh, she she likes the kid in the beginning, and then at the uh, end, yeah. she's still looking after him. But
0: I think she's. Uh, little bit of a light in this movie with a lot of like right. darkness and but she
1: doesn't have like a character journey the way Billy Bob's character like no, she's like definitely no. a device that's there yeah. yep. which is yeah. not always amazing because you're like and what's her story like what's she going
2: through and the little person's Girlfriend. Uh, girlfriend, which was Asian, which I appreciated. Once again, still, I'm like, damn, this is slightly diverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
1: like, good job, 2003.
2: She had, like, four lines. Yeah, she had, like, four lines. And Jeez. she
1: was a stereotype of herself, you know? <laughs> yeah, she
2: was. She definitely was, like, over... Yeah. They over, over-Asianized hers, mm. with stereotypically. Um, and so what I would say, though, is, like, okay, if I guess one thing they could have done is if this was now, I mean, obviously it had different things to do, but maybe the Bernie Mac character could be a woman, mm-hmm. right? And so then That would have, be interesting. Then you broaden, cause I often think about movies like this, because I feel like sometimes as writers you have to think about your scripts like this, where it's like, how do I make this-
1: Interesting. More
2: diverse without being forceful? Cause mm-hmm. I think sometimes people force shit in yeah. and it doesn't work, well, but I think, yeah, go ahead. One
1: thing I read is that if you write something, you know, let's say you write like a spaghetti Weston or whatever. And the lead character yeah. is a grizzled man. What happens? Right. Play that mind game with yourself. What happens if this becomes a woman? Because right. maybe it doesn't stick and you flip it back, but like what dimensions can I add here? You know, like the same thing. I mean, literally, I think any of these characters could have been female. Like yeah. Billy Bob Thornton's could have been Mrs. Claus. Obviously Santa right. is like the thing or the little person could have been a woman and then she's the mastermind. But like, it's just so funny. It, I think we're going towards that direction where we don't think, like, this guy has to be white, this da-da-da. Like, we're seeing it with streamers, I think, a lot, A lot more diversity. But, yeah, I would also say, like, it'd be interesting to see, like, a bad Santa, a bad Man, yeah. Mrs. Santa. Like, that would be a funny yeah. spin off to see, like,
2: you know. For sure. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah,
1: the, the Bernie Mac character could have been a woman, like, this totally... Over. Yeah.
2: That would that would have been hilarious. Like her, her being like, I want 50 mm-hmm. and like not budging. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That was so great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I, I, I think those are things that when you're writing scripts now you need to like think about. And I, I forgot, I remember I was, I think on Instagram, uh, Sarah Gamble was like, how do you write strong women characters? She was like, or she was like, do you have any advice? She was like, well, write it like you would a man and then make it female. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Which so is the mind
1: like, game. It's like, flip right. it. Right.
2: Yeah. It's but like, it's the
1: same with anything. Like, why? Do you, why? This is actually an interesting question, yeah. Sayed. When you're writing your scripts, do you denote race in the description? Do you say, like, I... you know, African-American or
2: black? Yeah, I I actually do. On, only because I want um, the reader to. Immediately, know immediately know what it is and what is going on because I feel like sometimes when you read a script the
1: default is also white right like a lot of people right is
2: default is always white but at the same time when you're reading a script you're going to imagine what it is I just want to help you out but what I will say is I you shouldn't be stuck to it right you know and so it's like if you do have a character you know like so what like what if somebody else walks in and they're like oh shit that's
0: yeah if you're like oh this um bernie max character i got right. the black security guard or not security right. guard like security professional whatever and then someone's like what about melissa mccarthy right. instead exactly and you're like oh fuck yeah melissa mccarthy would be hilarious in that role yeah if bernie max yeah. not available you know Yeah.
1: yeah i'd like to see it get to the point where we don't have to do it because uh you know, and I always bring up Netflix because a lot of their shows, especially uh, Ginny and Georgia was a show that I noticed it right away. Like every single kid was either like biracial or mixed or like, y- you know, there was like a lot, a lot of diversity. And I think we're seeing that a lot with kids or like young adults. you think that was adult.
0: forced, that one?
1: I don't think it was forced. I'm just saying I noticed it because like, I know Netflix is great about mandates and Mm. like making sure you know because they are a global company you know in america if you're making a theatrical film like this you you know i've been on calls where it's like there's like five bankable actors that could do this role and unfortunately everybody wants them and it's the nature of hollywood i'm sure saeed like you saw a little bit of this with the the film it's like okay we got this guy we got like there's certain people that can make a money like money come in to make a project go Mm. tv i feel like is a little different because if you've got like a couple well-known faces you can get more people in but uh yeah i'd love to get to a place where we don't need to i never included race in my descriptions until recently i was in a writer's group meeting and i was trying to give subtle hints like with the names and stuff like that like i'm an international person
2: right
1: and uh it wasn't obvious enough to people and it's like If it's not obvious to people who know your work from start to finish, it's not necessarily going to be obvious to a reader or an executive
0: or someone, you know. No, this just popped in my head. So is that on the reader then? Like, why can't we take it as someone had an experience and then ask the reader, what did you think about these characters? What did you see them in your head Mm. as?
2: Mm. And then because
0: I read it, Saeed reads it, Paris reads it. We all, like, without any of the clues, what kind of story was painted in your mind? And right. then right. see what we all came back with. I think that'd be kind of interesting.
1: But I think the challenge is with like, a lot of people who are readers of scripts, gatekeepers, we call them, you know, for competitions, for example, they're faceless people, right? Yeah. They're just people who are doing this, a lot of assistance, a lot of people like me, even who, like, want to, you know, make some extra cash and love reading scripts and give good notes. Um, when it goes to, yeah, if you're pitching it to... Like I was in a call recently and it was like, who do you see for this? And we pitched people like from all different backgrounds, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Like, and, but that's when you're having that human connection and you have to get to a certain level. If you're like me or Saeed and you're trying to like get someone to get excited about your show, sometimes...
0: You got to put it out there for them. You
1: got to make it obvious because it's like people are getting scripts all the fucking time. How do you cut through the noise? How Mm -hmm. do you make sure someone... And yeah, sure, you can flip it back to like a different culture or a different background. But if someone's looking specifically for something, how do you make sure that they know like this is a story about diverse New York or
2: right? You know, and that, and to me, that's that's another thing. Is like that's one the reason why writer writers groups are good, is because you can ask these questions, right? So you could say, how do you see this character? Like, what if I made this character black? What if I made mm-hmm. this character non-binary? Like, cause I've been in situations where I wrote a script, a pilot where there was this one character who was like a you know like a crazy off the hinge killer, and somebody was like, hey, it would be dope if that person was a woman," and I was like, "Oh shit!" Like I was like, "That even sounds and looks fresh." Mm-hmm. So I also feel like, um, not doing it for diversity's sake, but doing it for freshness. Yeah. like
1: If there's a reason. I think that's something that I struggle with is when I read a script written by someone that's not from that culture, like let's say it's a Hispanic family and I'm like, what's the purpose? Like, you know, are you just doing it because you want to like check some boxes? For me, my character, Saeed's read some of my scripts, my character descriptions are like not typical. They're off the wall. It'd be like the kind of girl that looks like she would you know, get fingered at horseback riding camp. Like that's the shit I write. And I don't, I'm, I love it. I'm not staffed. So I don't know if that's like good, but I know when, it people, is. when people read it, they laugh. And you could imagine yeah. that girl as being biracial Asian. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I want there to be a vibe about my characters that I mm. write. But unfortunately, as we go back to it, the default is typically, well, it's usually, it's like what what experiences do I bring? If I'm reading it, am right. I visualing? If I put a character with no gender, am I imagining it as a woman? You know, yeah, like
0: yeah.
1: versus you who might read it and be and like, "Oh, that's this is what totally I'm saying." Dude. Putting yeah. it,
0: let me put it through this random person's filter and see what they come back with. Because I may had have this idea of this this scene, right. this part, this character, and they're like, "Oh, how fucking I was really excited about this character. Like I saw him as this," and you're like, "You you might not have even thinking about that." And like you're saying, say that could be a totally fresh addition to make a little a little flip that someone else got really excited about that you didn't even occur to you and that once they put it through their filter once they read it that's kind of what i was getting at
1: no it's, it's totally yeah. interesting uh it's interesting but i think you know you got to think of especially screenplays they are working documents you know it's not a it's not a novel where you mm-hmm. have all the pages in the world to really describe this person's physical attributes if you look at a script it's People put the age in brackets beside it because yeah. it's. You got to remember, this is a blueprint. Casting directors are reading this. Directors are reading this. We're trying to get similar to this movie to the fastest possible way to understand where we're landing when we open on the first first sentence. So, mm. it's super interesting. Um, I don't know what the until like the scripts just become like digital, maybe like holograms that you just put in your brain and then you get to see. <laughs> Spit it out. You know what I mean? Like everybody's
0: something. cast nah. by Tilda. Swant, or, Tilda Swinton true? is Tilda just a default. Swinton, yeah, it's everybody.
2: I, I'm <laughs> I'm actually curious if the Bad Santa script has race in it. like Yeah, I have to I have to track that down. But, or if yeah, they no. or if they
1: wrote it specifically. Well I know Bill, Bill Murray yeah. was gonna be the Billy Bob Thornton Bill
0: character. Murray uh he, he dipped on this to do uh Lost in Translation. Wow. Otherwise, Two very different films. Bill Murray.
1: Yeah. Very different films.
2: Yeah. I think he made the right choice. <laughs> yeah, they
0: both did, right? And then yeah. Billy Bob yeah. getting this. Yeah,
1: yeah. I've heard Billy Bob is We we interviewed uh, Barry Battles on our podcast, and he worked with Billy Bob and said he was just like such a nice guy. And so That's dope. it's mm-hmm. funny because yeah, he acts like the creepiest, most disgusting I love it. guy. He said really this was
0: his favorite character to play. Billy Bob.
1: Did? I could. Yeah.
2: I could tell. Like yeah. when. Like he's so embodied this character like you know what I'm saying like yeah. I mean I, I couldn't see and and I think that's that's what you want when you cast is like um you cu- I couldn't see it being anybody else yeah like
1: that's a I think that's a lot of movies they become you know yeah and that's a, the mark of a great actor I also make like it theirs as much as is. I as much as I think they could have flipped the Bernie Mac character to a you know a female yeah sh- he is just so amazing right, so in nice. this mm-hmm. It made me miss him so much. Yeah,
0: everything think. Bernie Boy. did. Yeah. It was amazing. Just his, just his yeah.
1: syntax. And then, of course, they lost. this was the last film Billy Ritter did. He unfortunately passed mm-hmm. away right around the time that they finished filming this. He was also oh. hilarious to me. Yeah. Just the mannerisms, the things that like yeah. bothered him in this movie. I know it was acting, but I was dying. Yeah, he yeah. Billy Bob's character gets caught in the ladies' change room with a larger <laughs> woman, and <laughs> Bernie Mac's like, "Well, they need love too." And he's just right. like, "He's like, right? I'm not saying they're not." And he gets all <laughs> put off. <laughs> Amazing. It
2: was. It, it was. I, I definitely enjoyed watching this movie again, um and I didn't realize how funny it was.
1: This is the part of the podcast where we do a shout out to someone in the cast or crew. David William Rodgers, do you have somebody?
0: Yeah, but I'm going to cheat this time because I'm going to go with John Ritter and Bernie Mac. So normally I like to do people on, you know, that worked on it behind the scenes and Mm -hmm. off camera. But I mean, I grew up like watching Three's Company. Um, Maybe that's a reason why. I'm open to be in a thruple myself these days. <laughs> 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 you know, he was, oh, a, oh, he yeah. was a dad and problem child. He worked on Sling Blade with uh, Billy Bob. And then B Mac, Bernie Mac, is just the man. Yeah, legend. There's no other. Kings of Comedy. And then the Ocean's movies. This. He was in a, a movie with, what was that? like Ice Cube and Oh, Player's Club. Player's Club. Yeah, he's like yeah. in a nude, it yeah. naked. <laughs> yeah, bucket naked.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he's just like phenomenal
0: actor and the, the Bernie Mac show was awesome. So, yeah. um just you know, rest in peace to those two and everything Peter and that, Bernie. yeah, everything that they did Thank for you. Uh, for film and TV.
1: Yeah, we see him and we appreciate him. All right, I'm going to go next and I'm going to go with Felicia Fasano, who was Mm. the casting director on this film. She also worked on a bunch of things, uh, A League of Their Own, Better Things, Kevin Can Fuck Himself, which I have not started watching, but I'm excited (laughs) to, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Arranged, White Famous, House of Lies, I mean, Constantine, just so many, so much casting. And, you know, what we were talking about, I, I think this movie is more diverse than than other movies of the time. So casting directors play a crucial role in this. Even, you know, the little things like the, in the mall, the, the woman that's like helping them at the Santa thing. She was so funny, her face, like the young Hilarious.
0: woman. Taking her pictures um, and stuff.
1: Yeah. 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 The grandma was like well cast, you know, yeah. the dad in the jail. Like it was just, oh, uh, the guy that comes to the door and tries to, Get them to do the.
2: Oh, I loved him.
1: He's the guy from. uh I think he's in Veep, right? Yeah, is yep. a
2: TV he's show. Yeah, Veep. he's in Veep. Yeah, he's like That's trying right. to get them.
1: He's like, I just need to know if you're gonna do like the neighborhood like light up thing. And Billy Belton's like, <laughs> oh, I don't give a so fuck. Good. Get out of here. Yeah, sure, I'll do it. Whatever. Can I come in? Yes.
0: So, no, I said I mind if you come in.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So. I think casting gets overlooked a lot. It's not a super sexy part of the film industry or TV industry. Art it's
0: form, though. crucial. Sure.
1: Yeah. And these, these people that work in this industry, they have to cultivate these relationships because they just need to know where to plop somebody like at the exact right time. So Felicia, bye. But also we see you and <laughs> see we appreciate you. You. appreciate you. Who you
2: got, Saeed? I'm going to, I'm going to go for Tony Cox. Um, he was hilarious in this movie um and i feel for some reason i feel like he was like a trend sitter setter for like little people in a sense yeah if that's the proper yeah um and so i i I give him props i mean he was he was standing toe for toe with everybody loved the twist at the end where it was all his brain child well when he tried to flip him over Mm -hmm. yeah um, and then the so police to-
1: police shot unarmed people 50 times right. in right. the right. back for that stealing. Ass. Yeah, unarmed
2: Santa. Right. right, so uh, I, I give it to uh, you know Tony Cox. Like yeah, He Tony. was in Spaceballs. He was in Me, Myself. Spaceballs, uh, we did.
0: Love that movie.
2: Yeah, yeah. like, I mean, so I, I I give it to Tony Curtis. And, and I, I first saw him on Friday, like we said. Yep. Um,
1: not easy to you know. be a little person, not easy to be a a little person of color, I'm sure. Right. right. Uh, um, I remember seeing, yeah, jokes in, I think extras or something. And it's like, yeah, you can play like an elf or you can play this. Like, like yeah. yeah. Peter yeah. Dinklage also, you know, has changed the game a lot. Oh, but like, but, oh, uh, the, but, but Tony, I think, you know, crawled so that peter could walk and and yeah. i agree i think he's a bit of a trendsetter so we see you and yeah. we appreciate you tony. tony so saeed everybody should go watch uh hip-hop christmas is that what it's called yes. yeah
2: it comes out december 6th december VH1. 6th yeah.
1: and you got start but we can't really talk about it but if anybody needs a writer this is your guy he's a workhorse it's embarrassing he works so hard so it's always <laughs> like you. I was on set and I was like, yeah, I haven't really, he was like texting me like, Oh, have you done some writing? I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. He's like, yeah, but you got to find like a couple to- a couple hours.
2: I'm like, God yeah. damn it,
1: Saeed. Like, yes, yeah. way to make a girl feel, feel yeah. like she should get up earlier. But how can people connect with you if they want to follow you, see your journey?
2: Um, I would say Twitter, um, writer Twitter is cracking if you don't know. So follow me on Twitter at B-A-L-A-N-C-E-510, Balance510 on Twitter. I give a lot of uh, screenwriting game and try to share my story, the ups and downs.
0: Yep. That's what's
1: up. And that's how you learn, and that's how you connect with people, and that's how you grow it's a rising tide um it's a true pleasure to have you on the podcast to talk mm-hmm. about
0: movies it's a great conversation I had a ball.
1: can't I had wait a ball. can't wait to see you back in la sometime soon we caught up <laughs> when i was up in the bay we had a coffee and it was great yeah. i mean like you said zoom is amazing but there's nothing like that exchange of friendship and Facts. energy irl so right. you and david and i will go grab a beverage and hear yeah. all about all your exciting new things um thank
2: you we got to get David in one of these uh, hell, movies. Hell yes, yeah. so. please. Yes, you he's what what my saying? golden so. ticket. When he, he gets <laughs> yeah. famous,
1: he's just going to pull for all of us. Yeah, yeah. we're going to need him. Yeah, yeah. Wait so. <laughs> But we have to decide, you guys, whether or not this film has aged like milk. I'm going to let our guest go first. No uh. pressure. <laughs>
2: I, I, I'll, I'll say... Um, it, I would say, okay, this, this is what I'll say. I would say I'll give it a half. Mm. If 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 we're going like, is it fully horrible, like you got to just throw it out? I'll say no. But, you know, there are some things that are, that didn't age well in this movie. So I'll, I'll, I'll give it half-aged milk, which means you could probably cook it. There it is. You can use it it in your pasta, but like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Give it a good spritz, David. Yeah, give. Yeah. Okay.
0: I mean, I was kind of on the same page. I was going back and forth. Um, I'm thinking this movie's expiration date is gonna be like 15, 20 years from now, where we're. I'm gonna say like, for sure, it's aged poorly. Um, But for now, just the overall feeling of it, um, for me, I felt good at the end of it. The good in me overweigh the the ickiness and the awkwardness or weirdness when I come out of some of these movies we watch that are aged awfully. So I'm gonna say this one didn't age, but I think down the line it will.
1: I was gonna say it was totally off, so <laughs> stinky in the fridge, so bad, so many chunks. However, I think in discovering when you research a film and like learning about, yeah, the director, you know, wanting to kind of go against the genre and like really fighting for it it's okay to have terrible people I think what ages for me is some of the language use the over sexualization of women and like the lack of a uh, female journey really in this so I think I went in, for, in being like oh this milk is putrid mm-hmm. to being more like <laughs> This milk is... Yeah, I'm, I'm more in like Said's camp where I'm like, you just got to pick around the chunks, which are numerous. But like, mm-hmm. if I was on a desert island, I would still drink it and I would be like, probably like, I'd be all right. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'd probably... The description's
0: making yeah. me start to gag here a little no, I'm bit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sorry. My eyes are watering.
1: <laughs> but that is our show. I think it's amazing. Again, shout out to everybody involved in this film, Cost mm-hmm. and crew. Shout out to Saeed and his writing group and everybody that is hustling and trying to be a part of the conversation and has a story to tell don't give up yeah Um, keep going yeah if saeed can write a christmas movie that he hates you can write (laughs) (laughs) whatever it is to pay the bills you know you're writing jingles on a commercial do it get there but for now that's it thanks so much for joining us david you should check your fridge
0: make sure that milk ain't spoiled
1: because gross milk is gross. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You'll find us Age Like Milk Pod. Email us your uh, suggestions and also happy holidays, guys. Happy holidays! Yeah, happy yeah.
0: holidays! Thank you, side. So.